the history that we learn about in school, that's all wars and contested territories, doesn't cover the truth that is far more resonant and deeper in our beings, that our ancestors spent these numberless days in peaceful work and in rest together with the land, singing, meditating in the dark of the winter time, and being in connection with one another and with everything around them. This is what was happening most of the time. And the knowledge of how to do that is embedded in your own body, and it's reflected in all of the beings around you. I would say that the most enduring and the most strengthening quality of humankind is not its ability to make these tools of domination, but rather its capacity for recovery and for joy. In this view of abundance paganism, I would like to invite you to inhabit that assumption about the world and to become very curious about it in yourself and in your experience. I would like all of us to maximize our awareness of the beauty in the world and let it be what our descendants remember us for. Welcome to Fair Folk. I'm Danica Boyce. Hello, friends, listeners. This podcast episode is a special one for me. It's going to be a little different from podcast episodes of the past, but perhaps you will sense the germ of this podcast in the previous ones that I've made over the last three years or four years now, I think. This episode is introducing the concept of abundance paganism. And abundance paganism is something that I've been holding close to my heart for some time now. It's been developing in me for years in the things that I've been interested in, the things that I've been drawn to, the things that I feel compelled to say and to think and to do. I'm introducing this concept on the podcast because today I'm announcing the fact that I'll be teaching a course called Abundance Paganism beginning September 2nd and going for six weeks into October. In this episode, I'll also be interspersing songs that I've been listening to and really jamming out to while preparing the materials for the Abundance Paganism course. These songs really inspire me and make me feel amazing. And to me, they encapsulate the feeling of abundance, of deep faith, and of connection with our shared and expansive past. The content of this course is what I'll talk about in this podcast episode. And if you are compelled to take the course, even before hearing about it, you're welcome to go into the show notes right now and sign up for the waitlist so that you'll hear about it as soon as the sales page opens. Those of you who've been listening to the podcast for some time now would be familiar with the fact that I'm very interested in paganism and with the ways of being of the folks who lived in Europe <laughs> many centuries past. Sometimes I want to say our ancestors 
Um, but I just want to clarify right now when I say that, that I don't mean specifically us European descended people and our genetic ancestors. I usually use the term to refer to something much more broad. I think of ancestry in a very diffused sense. I believe that we are descended from, well, originally one group of people, and they spread all over the world. But we are also descended from all of the matter on the earth and all of the other beings that live here with us and that have lived here. We are utterly surrounded by ancestry. And in my interpretation of the reality of the earth, that also amounts to love. We're surrounded by the culmination of all of the love and effort and joy that has come before us, and also all of the suffering that has been processed and transformed and composted and reborn. That is an introduction to my concept of ancestry. So when I say I'm very interested in the way that our ancestors saw the world, I mean that in a very embedded and very expansive sense. So I began doing this folklore research a number of years ago. I mean, you could say I started in childhood because I was very interested in folktales and fairy tales and fantasy. I've long been interested in the ways that folk tradition and a sense of mysticism are intertwined. And into my adulthood, I realized that I was interested specifically in a mysticism of the past itself in a very impersonal sense, or you could say a very personal sense, but with an expanded sense of what personhood is. So I'll back up by defining mysticism, which is a body of practice that seeks to unite the self with the divine and to perhaps lose oneself in the divine in some cases, but also to feel a oneness with a sense of divine. And I have had this drive for some time to feel a oneness with the past. And I found that the more I feed that desire and that practice, because it's very much a practice of sitting with belief in the past and belief in the presence of the past, the more that I've fed that desire and that practice, the more present the past has felt to me. And many of you listeners are here because you understand that doing the work of connecting deeply with our own past is a very powerful antidote to many of the wounds of colonialism and imperialism that our culture suffers from. Right now, we're very aware of the phenomena of cultural misappropriation, which in its most basic sense is an expression of longing for cultural depth and history and um, an inability or not having learned yet how to find that cultural depth and history in one's own self and from one's own resources. And I don't yet want to define that really specifically as one's own genetic heritage, because I think that that doesn't actually cover the depth of what is at stake <laughs> and what is possible within this realm. I think it's really important to acknowledge that all culture that we experience now and all cultural development comes from cultural exchange, comes from cultural appropriation. There is no culture without cultural appropriation. So the conversation about cultural appropriation is a very important one, and it is 
I think, about to expand in ways that are much more effective than it has been in the past in the public discourse. I think that right now we have a very sort of black and white shame-based and fear-based model of understanding cultural appropriation and that I think we're on the verge of coming into much more integrity around how to discuss cultural exchange and how to approach other people and other cultures as a whole person and from a stance of relationship. I'm going to go into that in the course itself, but I just wanted to foreground that to say that one of the main benefits of becoming intimate with the past and one's connection with the past is that you inhabit the world from a much more grounded and much more powerful place and that you find the strength and the resources to make decisions that are full of dignity and that uphold the dignity of all other beings on the earth. This is my belief. I began my life feeling that there was a scarcity of meaningful culture and meaningful ways of being for me to engage with. I grew up in northern BC and in the same culture that all of you grew up in, roughly. Um, modern capitalism, television was the main source of interest and desire. And uh, there was very little community connection beyond school and church and work that was spiritual. So as an adult, I did an English degree and a medieval studies degree and sought information there. And that led ultimately to me starting this podcast where I had so much information that I felt the need to share it. I had an overflow of facts and a lot of ideas about them, but no certain path to take with them. I didn't know exactly how to form my view of the past and what it's for, but I knew that it was really important to share it and that it was really important to keep doing it to the point where I quit my job teaching and started working on the podcast full-time this year. It has only grown from there and only rewarded me. And the more that I focus on this mystery of the meaning of the past and the ways of being of our ancestors, the more abundant my life becomes emotionally and socially, spiritually, and even financially. And that's not the ultimate goal of abundance paganism, this course that I'm teaching, but it is one of the effects that it can have on your life. As I've been doing all this work, I had this sort of separate part of myself that was very interested in personal development and self-help and meditation, spiritual practice of all kinds. And somehow I didn't realize until about last year that I could combine these two aspects of my research and my identity. And one of the greatest discoveries I've made in my personal life is of a concept called abundance mindset, which I've mentioned before, but I'll define it again here. Abundance mindset is the way of thinking, the practice of choosing thoughts and words that reflect a belief that the world is good and that you can trust the divine to support you in moving towards your desires and expressing your love 
it's a choice to recognize when you have thoughts that are based in fear and scarcity and to let those thoughts pass and to consciously replace them with more faith-filled thoughts, thoughts that reflect a belief that the world is full of everything we need and that we are able to provide for ourselves and for others and that ultimately we are going to be fine. One of the biggest mysteries of this abundance mindset is the fact that when you push it to its ultimate edge, it does require that you have a trust not only in the abundance of life, but also in the abundance of death and of suffering and of loss. These are aspects of human experience that are incredibly abundant. There, there are many of these experiences available, and we experience them whether we consciously ask for them or not. But suffering is an opportunity ultimately for transformation. And this is something so incredible about paganism. One of the defining features of paganism is sacrifice. Pagan tradition in most European regions, I think I can say all European regions, contains a strong element of offering. One of the main ritual activities, not the only one, but one of the main ritual activities in European paganism is to offer something valuable to you, to a god or a spirit, and to do so in a spirit of goodwill and of good faith. This model of sacrifice can be very instructive for us folks who have experienced trauma or adverse experiences. I mean, I can't imagine that there's anyone listening who hasn't had adverse experiences, but is the very definition of living in the human world. And some of us have received more of them than others. I acknowledge that. And these people who experience suffering, we people who experience suffering, experience a profound gift in return, which is the potential for transformation. Sacrificing to a god in pagan tradition is an opportunity and sometimes an attempt to open the door, the gate, the portal between worlds. It is a communication to a being that is on another side of experience, a side of experience that may be beyond our seeing or hearing, smelling or touching, but nonetheless we know exists. When we communicate across this divide into the other world, you could call it, we are asking for a change to be made in response in our world. And depending on the intensity of the sacrifice, the intensity of the devotion, maybe, let's say, because I don't mean the larger the animal or the, the more expensive the cloth or whatever it is that you're offering. It doesn't, it doesn't necessarily have to be about the thing itself. But I want to say the more devoted the offering, the more the potential is for transformation to result from this experience. And, you know, I didn't think I was going to go so deep into this on the first day I talked about it, but it's what's coming up for me. And so I'm trusting that that is what people are needing to hear today. 
suffering and transformation and sacrifice and offering and devotion are all very closely connected. And if we can keep ourselves in integrity and in trust in the process of suffering and of offering, this is when we are given the opportunity to transform. So in the spirit of trusting in the unknown, I'm going to share a song, a Georgian healing song, which to me communicates the sense that even though pain exists, even though we endure things that we cannot imagine the other side of and that we cannot understand intellectually, at the same time, the world is so much more beautiful than necessary, and we can tap into that beauty, even in the midst of untellable sorrow. This is Ia Patanepi by Imke McCurti, Nana Medzavanesi, and Tamar Buadze. The purpose of the Abundance Paganism course that I'm offering is to provide a space where you can access resources on some of the central concepts of European paganism across cultures, where you can determine your research direction, what texts resonate with you and where you'd like to go with them based on your own background and personal calling. And most importantly, this course is about unlearning the taming, the spiritual taming and cultural taming that we've received in our upbringing in Western capitalism, which involves a deep amount of scarcity and attachment to external authority, belief in competition, and in the negative value of loss and of death. This course provides a container and a lot of resources and encouragement to ascertain your own unique spiritual path and, I would say, destiny. 
to feel what lights you up, to identify the energy that moves through your body when you encounter something that tells you this is it. This is a part of your core spirit. This is part of your ancestry in perhaps a way that we don't understand now when we think about linear ancestry as, you know, a father has a son, has a son, you get your last name, you're Norwegian. <laughs> I want you to have the tools to really identify with integrity what is meaningful to you and what fans your desire, what stokes the fire in your belly and draws you towards your utmost, highest, most spiritually powerful and magical self. I want to help you strip away everything in you that's not you, or at least begin that process with you, so that when you do encounter texts and practices that are pagan in origin, in the way that I define paganism, which is the worldview and practices of pre-Christian people, but not exclusively pre-Christian or anti-Christian by any means, because uh, paganism, in my belief, continues till today. I want you to, when you encounter these texts and these ideas, to know right away what resonates with you and what direction you want to take with them, and to feel empowered to use them in ways that are powerful and that feed your feeling of abundance in the world. I want everyone to have this, and so I have developed this tool, but I'm also going to be sharing these ideas through the podcast and through social media in the coming months before the course launches. And probably for the rest of my life, to be honest. I'm so interested in how our personal path towards becoming our core self, which I think is a part of what we do in this life when we are on a spiritual path, become our truest self and leave behind everything else. This path aligns so beautifully with the path of our ancestors. Paganism provides so many examples in ritual in belief and practice, through animistic belief, through offering, through celebration and gratitude and generosity. It provides so many opportunities to reflect to us the abundance that's innate in our own knowing. It's easy to think that the texts of paganism are limited, that most of them have been lost, and to grasp at the ones that we do have and to give them more importance, maybe not more importance, but to give them authority. I don't think that these texts asked for authority. <laughs> I don't think our ancestors asked for authority. Our ancestors asked for new ways of doing things. The essence of paganism is creativity. It's diversity, diverse belief in many gods, in many spirits, different beliefs in different regions, Paganism was adaptive at its root. Paganism is the natural state of spiritual harmony with the earth. And we modern pagans have access to the exact same channel of information. We can step into the pagan spring. We can drink from the spring. We can sit under the tree of knowledge just as our ancestors did. And even if all of those texts were lost, we could 
create the same practices again. And they wouldn't be exactly the same because that would be wrong. (laughs) It wouldn't suit us. We need to do what works for us. And that is what our ancestors would want. Paganism as creativity and pragmatism and trusting connection to the earth is the perfect container for our path back to ourselves. I'm not saying that the past was perfect or that our ancestors didn't experience scarcity or fear of loss. But what I'm saying is, let's use what we can from the past that we know about in a spirit of excitement and gratitude and generosity and trust and choose abundance in the moments that our ancestors could not. What we always have is an abundance of choice between scarcity and abundance, between love and trust and fear and shame and clutching. We all are equipped with these two poles in our minds. And this is another thing that we have in common with our ancestors. And it's interesting when we look at pagan texts as well, that we'll see both of those things represented. But I think that the the most prominent aspects of pagan practice, pagan spiritual practice, demonstrate this abundance mentality. And it's often actually in the interpretations of those practices by later writers who were living in this age of empire and this normalization of scarcity mindset that shine this negative light on the traditions that we draw on for inspiration. We don't have to take anyone else's interpretation of these texts. In fact, the texts themselves are interpretations because pagans didn't write. (laughs) Aside from a few instances of functional text, runes, for example, writing was and is in this totally paradoxical, crazy way that I'm always trying to process. Writing is a tool of empire. Writing is a tool of knowledge dissemination, writ large, so to speak. Writing is a way to store information, and it doesn't have to be an oppressive tool, though it can be. There's something incredible in meditating on the fact that before around 2,000 years ago. Almost nobody in Europe read or wrote anything. And I think there's something incredibly powerful in the fact that people did not necessarily feel a need to record everything. It, it's mirrored in the way that prior to Christianity setting this precedent for large ornate temples, pagan temples tended to be outdoors in groves, Um, They tended to be made out of biodegradable materials, and they were intended to not leave a permanent mark. And whether they were intended to or not, there was a culture of being very close to the ground and of trusting that when you pass, that it is the resonance of your deeds that will remain. The trust that life will carry on and that 
you are a part of life and that you cannot actually pass away. There is something so incredible about a belief that life is sacred, death is sacred, and it's not a line. You're not born broken and then you go to heaven and then everything is fine forever. That is not how people thought (laughs) until Christianity in Europe. In the pagan worldview, you are born whole, you remain whole, and you have multiple opportunities over the course of your life for transformation, the ultimate transformation being death. Obviously, there are different explanations for what death means regionally, in keeping with the regional diversity of paganism. Paganism doesn't conform to the national boundaries that we imagine now, and people migrated many times through many periods of time in European history as well. So if you are trying to follow a very strict path of doing exactly what your ancestors did with regards to your belief in the afterlife, you may find that challenging, and I would suggest that you look into yourself to see what you actually believe, because that's where that knowledge is going to be stored. I believe that there is a direct line between the love of your ancestors and your life now. There's a line from Alfred Lord Tennyson that pops into my head now and again, and he said, life is brief, but love is long. And I think that this really speaks to how the history that we learn about in school That's all wars and contested territories, misogyny, terror, etc. Doesn't cover the truth that is far more resonant and deeper in our beings that our ancestors spent these numberless days in peaceful work and in rest together with the land, singing, meditating in the dark of the wintertime, doing repetitive work, and being in connection with one another and with everything around them. This is what was happening most of the time. And the knowledge of how to do that is embedded in your own body. And it's reflected in all of the beings around you, be they human, animal, plant, stone, or other. I would say that the most enduring and the most strengthening quality of humankind is not its ability to make these tools of domination, war machines, (laughs) technologies of exploitation, but rather its capacity for recovery and for joy. In this view of abundance paganism, I would like to invite you to inhabit that assumption about the world and to become very curious about it in yourself and in your experience. I would like all of us to maximize our awareness of the beauty in the world and let it be what our descendants remember us for. So life may indeed be brief, but love endures beyond it. That's what I believe. This is a song I have been listening to for months now. And it makes me feel like that thread of light (laughs) that connects me to something that just energizes me and reminds me of where I'm going 
and where I come from and a trust in the integrity of the connection between this world and the other world. This is Helvigen, originally by Wardruna and covered here by Calandra.
I'm so excited to embark on this journey of sharing the many, many thoughts and feelings and inspirations I have about abundance paganism with you. This is just the start. This is just the beginning of a journey that I hope we all take together, whether you call it abundance paganism for yourself or whether you call it something else. I know that I'm not the only person on this journey. I know I'm not the only person receiving these messages about connection and about true identity, desire, and destiny. I trust that I am surrounded by people who feel so passionately about the past and about how much meaning it can bring to us and trust so deeply in its ability to nourish us in the present and in our ability to use it in nourishing ways. Keep listening to the podcast if you're interested in hearing more about this. Stay tuned on social media. You can join my email list to get more in-depth information about the course and about abundance paganism in general. The mailing list is at fairfolkcast.com. If you want to join the waiting list right now so that you find out as soon as the sales page opens for Abundance Paganism, the course, on August 24th, then go into the show notes right now and sign yourself up. There's no obligation to join at that point, but you'll know right away instead of having to show up on Instagram. By the way, I changed my Instagram handle. It's no longer Danica.child, it's Danica.voice, because that's my name. And I figured it was more appropriate, especially reflecting the journey of becoming more myself over time. If this episode inspired you, if it made you feel a weird tingle in your body, <laughs> if it made you feel excited and happy, and it reflected something that you feel strongly in yourself, I encourage you to share it with anyone else you see that glimmer in. And I encourage you to listen to it again, if there's anything in it that really opened a door for you, and that made you want to move towards something different or new, or even old that maybe you've just forgotten. I'm so grateful that I have a community of people that I can share this information with, that I can offer teachings to teachings that'll guide you to become your own teacher in turn. I can't express how incredible it is to see this movement happening away from fear and grasping and loss and scarcity towards love and trust and faith and knowing of the wild nature that we have and its enormous value and how it always guides us home. So thank you so much for being here and listening. And thank you to the musicians whose music graced this episode. And thank you to Sylvia Woods for providing the intro theme to Fair Folk. If you enjoyed the music, please buy it from the artists. I will link to their pages in the show notes. And also you can listen to them on Spotify, which brings them revenue as well. Before I go, I want you to know that I'm going to be posting much more about Abundance Paganism on social media and through email throughout the next month. A lot more concrete details, an FAQ, an outline of the course, etc., and much more expansion on the basic ideas of Abundance Paganism. I'll be releasing another episode soon, 
And if you'd like to hear about something particular about abundance paganism and my whole idea of a mysticism of the past, please reach out, send me an email, send me an Instagram message, and I will see if I can address it in next week's podcast episode. So stay tuned. I'll leave you with a track by Kulgrinda. This is Kur Sakwalalis Ten Gegwatala, a hymn to the Lithuanian goddess of love, Milda. Kur Sakwala.